Baltimore Ravens select Lamar Jackson, quarterback, Louisville. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Bank. Uh, joined by uh, my two brilliant co-hosts, uh, Andrew and Steven, and of course myself, uh, Justin. Today we're going to talk about the chaotic mess that is free agency right now, especially in um, this weird COVID-19 hybrid year. Um a lot of people were predicting that there would be a lot of one-year deals for free agents. Um, I haven't seen too much of that, but we, we never know, especially with the wide receiver market being as uh, slow as it is. But with that being said, uh, let's get into it. Uh, Steve and Andrew, how are you guys? Doing all right. Excited for age. I'm just – I'm ready for football to be back. Yeah, excited. It's been a, a relatively slow start for the Ravens, but hey – we usually make our signings today, so eh. will it happen? We'll see. Definitely, Andrew. Um, speaking of signings, though, let's kind of shift our attention to the departures that we have so far. As of 12.30 p.m. on Wednesday, uh, we've lost uh, a lot of defensive players and uh, a singular offensive player i believe but let's start out with the biggest contract that we lost it is matthew judon to new england four years 56 million dollars i'm gonna jump straight in here so as i previously stated i am not the biggest matt judon fan personally especially we haven't even had a chance to touch on this yet after he tried to blackmail jameson hensley who uh we were a fan of him on the pod over here um Especially New England. I hate New England personally. I think it's just a Ravens, general Ravens thing. Most of the league hates New England. So a player that I don't usually favor that much went to a team that I don't like and they overpaid for, in my opinion. I think it's a dream scenario, personally. <laughs> yeah, but sadly, I think he's a he's a pretty good fit in New England compared to like other teams because you, uh, New England will like to use those packages similar to how we use them where they'll drop back a lot, but also rush the passer. So he'll, he'll, he'll be a, a decent fit. I just, I, like you said, I think they overpaid for him. Yeah. My, my opinion on Giron fluctuates a lot. Um, it's typically more negative than it is positive, but I do think this, this was a good signing for new England. Um, I feel like he may have been personally, I feel like he's a little overpaid um, considering what's going on there but i don't think it's a bad contract by any means i believe i saw somewhere his cap hit is only like one million dollars um in 2021 but that being said that's also extremely backloaded um belichick's probably banking on the cap hit, or the salary cap rising as you know the the tv deals come in and maybe a return to uh fan attendance in stadiums however um I do think this is a match made for Judon and Belichick almost in heaven. Um, There's really no other teams, I think, that really understand Judon and what value he brings to the table. 
I feel like it, he would be misused anywhere else. I feel like he's gonna be similarly the, it, that he was used in Baltimore in New England. Um, I yeah, I I'm I'm not expecting anything too crazy out of him. I don't think he's going to get better or get worse. I think he's just gonna stay where he is, and that's just a solid edge player. One more thing about you, Don, is that we all like to give him crap, but he's still a huge hole to fill. We just got to remember that, and we still have to fill that is his hole and now Yannick's hole. So that's going to be tough. Well, with that being said, um, we lose our first edge rusher to free agency. Shortly after, we lose our second starting edge rusher, Yannick Ngakwe. Uh he sized to a little bit more of a modest deal to Las Vegas. Two years, $26 million, almost fully guaranteed. Um, initially, I was excited when we traded for Ngakwe. Um, I thought he would be a, a great fit, but he's just not as versatile as maybe the, you know, Matthew Judon is or Atias Bowser is. So he was never really going to be a fit in Baltimore as much as I wanted him to. Um, he's still a very good designated pass rusher. He's got a good set of finesse moves. I think he fits really well in Las Vegas and what they're trying to do, especially with Gus, Gus Bradley, um, the defensive coordinator, um, who he is with, with Jacksonville when Yannick was at it at the peak of his career. Um, but two years, $26 million, Ravens didn't match. What do you guys think? Listen, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Judon, too. All these guys, they're getting out, getting paid, taking care of their families. It's all good. Personally, I wish we would have been able to find a way to keep Yannick and really let him develop and thrive in our system. But as we discussed earlier a couple months ago, Bowser was our main priority, especially from an age standpoint. And we got Bowser, so that's all we can really ask for. That's the most realistic scenario, and that's how it went. Yeah, like you said, I'm happy, for, all happy for these guys going out and getting their money. But yeah, Yannick wasn't. I would have loved to keep Yannick over Judon, especially. But yeah, like you said, he's not the best fit here. So he's gonna he's gonna do good in in Oakland, and they're gonna finally uh, have their replacement. Uh, for Khalil Mack. <laughs> yeah, it, it's still crazy to me to think that they traded Khalil Mack, but John Gruden is a uh, he's a very interesting, very interesting person. Um, they like to do a lot of uh, big moves, and certainly signing Yannick is a great move. Um, uh, moving on to the third um, edge rusher here. Um, Ravens is their third edge rusher to free agency. That is uh, becoming fan favorite, uh, Jihad Ward, um, who had a who actually played really well in the snaps he was given, although his snaps were very few. I feel like that's where contract negotiations kind of fell through for the Ravens. Jihad Ward played very well in the snaps he was given, although he was a healthy scratch for a few games and they weren't he wasn't given very many snaps. Um, you could tell he loved Baltimore, but it just wasn't really the right fit uh, for what he wants to do in his career. He goes to Jacksonville for uh, a one-year deal up to $2.5 million, and he reunites with uh, Joe Cullen, the defensive line coach uh, for Baltimore. Um, 
I'm a little upset that we couldn't match the deal or at least give him a little bit more money um, or at least just give him more snaps. I feel like he would have done excellent um, in our scheme, uh, especially considering he got better as um, the seasons went by that he was here. Uh, but you guys have any thoughts on Jihad Ward? So I'm going to say this just in general for all free agents, especially the defensive line and the edge rushers we have. We all wish it would work out. We all wish they could say Ravens forever develop, but unfortunately, it's just not the reality of the NFL. It's a business, so I just got to look at it as it's another hole we got to fill. It's just new responsibility for Eric, so it's unfortunate, but it's business. Like you said, it's a it's, it's business, but Jihad Ward's a great player, so uh, it's it's sad to see him go, but business is business. And um, I didn't mention this before, but uh, since there, this is a crazy free agency, uh, things can happen like in a snap. Um, currently, we're recording this at 12.40 p.m. on Wednesday. Um, I've just received a tweet that uh, Pro Bowl long snapper Morgan Cox is signing with the Titans. So chalk that up, too. We had cut him earlier, but that is another free agent loss for uh, the Ravens. Uh, it could have been any other team. It could have it been any other team. But Morgan Cox chooses to go to Tennessee, and it's betrayal. What do you, what do you guys well, think? That is just so disheartening. A member of the Wolfpack on the Titans? I'm I at a loss for words. About it. I'm at a loss for words. I can't believe it. Morgan, I thought you were like the ultimate Raven. Come on, man. Ultimate special know, team Raven. <laughs> You've been with us for... Since at least the Super Bowl, I know that for a fact. And, what? Come on, man. We just started a rival. We just restarted the rifle with the Titans. Now you go to them? Jesus, man. <laughs> yeah, that's just unfortunate, man. I don't have the numbers yet. Um, they will probably be released very shortly. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be a big deal by any means, but it just sucks to see. I had to say it. It's. I can't believe this. Uh, I'm... Like everybody, like I'm speechless. I can't believe this, but uh, we got we, we got to suck it up. We got to suck it up. Move on to um, the last one, uh, the last departure, Frasian departure, that I have for Baltimore. Um, that's uh, wide receiver Chris Moore. He's more like special teamer Chris Moore than wide receiver. He got a pretty sure he got no snaps at receiver last year. Um, he played almost exclusively special teams. He went to Houston to reunite with David Cully for one year, $2 million. Uh, what do you guys think? He played a lot of special teams. Do you think we can replace that? Uh, peace. I'm 100% confident in John Harbaugh. He's going to fill up. He can fill the special teams goal. He's a special team specialist. I mean, <laughs> quite literally. And we got two new receiver coaches. Get out, get out with the old. They sucked. Our receiving course sucks. Let him go. Let him join Cully. That's fine with me. Use what we have. Get some new weapons. We got new coaches, new development. Let's move on from the past. Chris Moore never did anything in Baltimore. I mean, that's not true, man. He was a pretty solid special teamer. He, Andrew, I remember that. Andrew? No, no. Listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> that, that 49ers game last year, he downed that punt like on the one. I was there. I watched that. I was sick. Okay. But yeah, uh, he's replaceable. John, John will, John Harbaugh will uh, take care of that pretty easily. Yeah, I, de- I definitely agree. He did uh, next to nothing as a receiver, uh, 
but he was a pretty solid special teamer. However, we're blessed with having a special teams coordinator at head coach, um, John Harbaugh. Um, I definitely believe in him and uh, his ability to scout special teamers. And worst comes to worst, you could probably draft or sign a guy um, to replace that roster spot. But yeah, that kind of caps out um, all the free agent departures. Um, I want to move on to uh, the probably the biggest um, re-signing of so far. Uh, that's outside linebacker Tyus Bowser. We had mentioned, as Steven said before, on the podcast that he was probably the most likely to return. Um, he was the youngest and um, played similarly to Judon and fit the uh, defense better. He's retained for four years, $22 million. Personally, I think that's a steal of a contract and that he's only getting better. Uh, you guys have any uh, specific analysis on uh, this move by DaCosta? No, I can't even really elaborate on that. I mean, I think you summed it up perfectly. Youngest, got time to develop. I think we got him for very cheap. I, I, it's dream scenario, honestly. Oh, yeah, I love the, I love the contract. And also, he's, he's just now coming into his own, so... He's, his role is only going to expand. He's going to he's going to be pass rusher one or two. So, and uh, big things for the future. Great contract. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think what's uh, important too is that with Drudon and Yannick going, this probably sets the sets the way for Tyus Bowser to potentially start day one. Uh, he doesn't. This will be the first time he's ever started. Um, if the Ravens don't bring in multiple edge rushers to kind of play in front of Bowser, I think the every season um, he's gotten more and more play time. Every game he's gotten more and more snaps. I think Don Martindale probably put in a really good word to DaCosta on how he probably should keep Tyus Bowser. He's a great homegrown talent. Um, he's really coming on late. Uh, very excited about that. Um, we had just been talking about special teams, too. Uh, we re-signed inside linebacker slash special teamer Chris Ward to a one-year $2 million deal, um, nice and cheap uh, for Chris Ward, who's really playing uh, very solid as a special teamer. Um, he's actually been playing a little bit more linebacker uh, recently uh, as a sub-linebacker. You don't really see him that much on the field, though. I think it's just a, a solid procedural signing, and hopefully he can um, play better on special teams here. Uh, what do you guys think about uh, Chris Board? Anything special? Or I mean, he's, we'll see how we address the position in the offseason, obviously, but he might have to take a big role and step up, especially with the defensive departures. But I think we just flip the script for a second on back to re-signing. How about Pernell McVie? What do you guys think about that? I think it's a great signing because uh, he's he's our veteran he's our veteran guy along with Calais Campbell and like Brandon Williams, Derek Wolf. He's he's not playing the most snaps because he's old, but when he does, he makes it count. And he's a great um, edge setting uh, rusher, and he does get to the quarterback and generate pressure. So I love it. I love the signing. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that because he really proved his worth in the Titans game when. Derrick Henry was held to near 40 yards. Uh, he set that edge. And I think a lot of people, when they think of edge rusher, they only think of, oh, he's just going after the quarterback. And that's really all that 
edge rushers are for. It's just not true. With Pernell McPhee, what you're getting is a guy who won't play that many snaps a game simply because of his age and injury history. That's a knock, but when he's on the field, he makes it count. And he definitely sets that edge very well, uh, closes running lanes, um, forces a running back to go inside. And when you force a running back to go inside, and that inside contains Derek Wolf, Clay Campbell, and Brandon Williams, your chances of succeeding are very slim to none. Very good move by the Ravens. And hopefully he can mentor this hopefully new youthful um, influx of edge rushers that hopefully the Ravens choose to um, bring in. But with Derek Wolf, I, I had mentioned with Derek Wolf, they, they brought him back. There was a little bit of confusion on whether or not the he would sign back in Baltimore. He put out a few couple tweets about how uh, he's been undervalued a lot. Um, I think this contract kind of shows it. Three years for $12 million for Derek Wolf. That's a nice signing for three years. That's locking him up for three years for only $12 million. Pardon me. What do you guys think of bringing back Derek Wolf? We've talked about it before. I, I'm 100% on board with that. He's it's been there all year. It's been the most reliable all year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I love it. He, Derek Wolf is born to be a Raven. Oh, uh, Derek Wolf is born to be a Raven. And it's just, it, it, it warms my heart because he was the, the rock all year. And he's been, and I didn't know he was such a leader until I've seen like some of the interviews with him. And I think he had an interview after the Bills game. And I loved, I just loved what he had to say um, every time. He's, he's such a good leader. So I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, I never really, when, when I saw that we had signed Eric Wolf last year, it was a reaction signing due to losing uh, Michael Brockers, who funny enough got traded to the Lions just recently. Um, it we didn't really think much, much of Derek Wolf. I mean, when free agency had um, started uh, last year, um, I wasn't very too fond of Brockers and I had preferred Wolf. So I got my guy all along. Um, very happy to see that he's back for three years. Um, I, it might be at least two. There might be a potential out in the third year. That's usually how the Ravens structure these contracts, but very happy to see. Uh, speaking of a similar three-year deal, uh, we go to an external signing. Um, we're signing um, offensive lineman uh, Kevin Zeitler, a cap casualty from the Giants. That's three years. It goes up to $22.5 million. Potential out in the third year, so that's at least two years of starting if healthy. What do you guys think about bringing in Kevin Zeitler? I think it does bring a uh, – it does fill a huge hole that we've been missing. Um with our rotational guys of powers, um, not really Bozeman because Bozeman's been playing good, bo- uh, good ball, but it's the rotation at right guard has since Yana has left powers, uh, Phillips, Fluker, all those guys who just haven't been consistent at all. So we're going to, we're going to have a good consistency hopefully here in the next few years with uh, Zeitler. And I love it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I kind of, uh, I, I was shocked to see with, um, Zeitler 
uh, we it was one of the first moves of the day of the tampering period, which is funny because the tampering period hadn't even started um, at the time we signed up. It was like two in the morning. Uh, so Takasa was up up late getting this deal done. They obviously wanted Zeitler. That's a good sign to see that they're willing to stay up to two o'clock in the morning to negotiate a deal for Zeitler. Apparently he did have um, uh, other suitors, but he called Marshall Yanda and said, hey, let's um, let, let's talk about this. You're going to love Baltimore. If it were me, I think you should choose Baltimore. That's all he needs to know. And he goes back to the AFC North for his third um, AFC North stint. Um, but I think what's more important about this deal is the value. So a lot of Ravens fans loved Joe Tooney. Um, he gets signed by uh, the Chiefs uh, for about like five years, $80 million, right? And in my opinion, I don't think there's that big of a gap between Zeitler and Tooney um, that, to the point where it warrants Tooney being paid like $60 million more. Um, it's just... I, I think the Ravens won here simply because of value. Tooney's obviously better, but like I said, I don't really think the gap's that much. So this is why the Ravens typically these, these this is why the Ravens are always on um over five hundred uh these past few seasons. It's not because they throw so much guaranteed money at free agents that are good free agents. They 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 they, they spend their money cautiously and cautiously cautiously allocate um their cap space to dependable guys who maybe aren't the biggest names but you know it i, I just really like what Takasa did here but um as far as zeitler is, goes we are not um we have we have not signed any other external free agents as of yet and a part of the reason i believe is because of a very stale market for free agents right now. It's incredibly hard to gauge what's going on here because of the COVID, uh, COVID-19 uh, issues here. Um, the cap hit or the cap space has drastically lowered from $10 million. Uh, usually it increases by $10 million um, a year. So a lot of teams um, such as like the Packers, the Saints, the Eagles, the Rams, the Bears are all over the cap right now. Um, they need to get back down to um, $182.5 million. Um, so a lot of restructures are going to have to happen. Um, there won't be as many big deals as we've seen in years past. We've already seen um, – players are going for less. Marvin Jones, one of my favorite free agents of the class, signed for about $7 million a year. That's incredible. So with, you know, with that said, um, there's a lot of free agents that the Ravens can look at for possibly a nice one-year rental so that they can, they can um, prove their worth for next year's free agency while the Ravens take their shot at a Super Bowl right now. Angie, you have anything you want to say about uh, the state of the cap space and maybe free agents, maybe even a free agent that you want? Well, so I don't know where y'all stand on this because I've never seen y'all talk about this for a while now. There's still a guy named Antonio Brown out there, and I don't know what's going on in Tampa. 
<laughs> I see Steven going, no. Hey, man. That's a top-tier receiver right there, man. If we can get it for cheap, I'd, I don't care, man. I'd take a chance. He, he played well in Tampa with half a year, probably barely knew the system, had a few plays. Like in the Super Bowl when he caught that touchdown, their coaches just didn't even know what the route he ran was. And he still juked the crap out of uh, Tyron Matthew. I don't know. I think. Yeah, I'm sorry, Andrew. I have to. I have to interrupt <laughs> you here. I've, I I stand on uh, Steven's side. Um, him and I are aggressively shaking our heads. No, I, I I mean, I used to like the idea of signing Antonio Brown. However, Steve Bashotti, the owner, has kind of alluded to the fact that you know we don't want another Earl Thomas. We we don't want another troubled veteran who he may have gotten better, um, who knows. But I feel like, unfortunately, bridges have been burned in this sort of scenario. Um, I still think Antonio Brown will be a very good starter for whoever gets him. I think the Buccaneers should just re-sign him, in my opinion. But whoever gets him, they're still getting a good receiver. I I really wish it, there was another way, but I don't think Antonio Brown's going going to the Ravens. Um, but with that being said, uh, I kind of want to point out to, um, a couple stats of, um, positions of need for the Ravens, uh, specifically receiver. This is always a topic of discussion ever since, like, as long as I can remember, uh, Ravens fans have always wanted a receiver and every year it's eluded them. Receivers are to the Ravens like offensive linemen are to the Seahawks. For some reason, they just never get them. Uh, And when they do, they don't usually work out that well. So with that being said, no Ravens receiver has eclipsed 800 yards since 2016. Or 2016, my bad. 2016, that's a lot of years of no 800-plus receivers. It's That's incredible. It's, and then uh, another another pitiful stat here: no current Raven on the roster had more than four sacks in 2020. That is also unacceptable. We have two unacceptable stats right now, and we're gonna need to. I feel like these are two positions of need that are gonna have to be uh, made or broken through the draft and uh, free agency. I feel like the way to go is sign a veteran receiver and then draft pass rushers because obviously we're better at that. However, it's really hard to gauge that when the Ravens draft best player available. The, the Ravens don't draft for need. Um, remember in 2017, uh, Ravens fans wanted a receiver and they, they, they drafted Marlon Humphrey, which turned out to be a great pick. So obviously... The way the board falls, we can't control the way the board falls. So it, it's it's really it, it's really hard to just predict what the Ravens are going to do, sp- simply because we don't know how they're going to approach this. Um, all we do know, there is one constant. There is there is one constant right here, and that's um, the Ravens will be patient um, with whatever happens their way. Um, 
but I kind of want to start. I want to start talking about more free agents. We started with Antonio Brown. Um, I want to talk about maybe another wide receiver. Um, let's. I'll throw out a name: AJ Green. Uh, Andrew, uh, what do you think about signing AJ Green? His estimated average per year per SpotTrack.com is uh, six million per year, um, probably on a one-year deal, and he's 32 as of right now. What do you think? AJ Green, I'd be down for that just because he's been solid his whole whole career and like above solid his whole career. And I know he's been injured on and off the past probably two seasons, but I I wouldn't would not be against uh signing him for like six. All right. So I am back, back from the dead. Um Strictly came out just to say AJ Green is not it. I know we're in a championship window. Win now. I'm not trying to keep him in the division. He's old. I, I'm sorry. I'm just not the biggest AJ Green fan. I don't know what to say about that. But on a different topic, we've our first receiver. How do you guys feel about Curtis Samuel? Um, I like Curtis Samuel a lot, and I think he can be really successful. But I think we have a player very similar to Curtis Samuel for would be uh, a fraction of the cost. That would be Devin Duvernay. I feel like Duvernay does a lot of the things that Curtis Samuel does well. He can be incredibly versatile. We saw him on a lot of end arounds and uh, during the season, the only thing that sucks is that the Ravens, uh, as the season went on, they stopped using De- Duvernay um, as much. I hope that's not a trend that continues. Uh, I hope they like Duvernay, but with Harbaugh not really starting rookies that much, we never know. Uh, Andrew, what do you think about Curtis Samuel? Yeah, I really like that comparison you made to Devin Duvernay. I, I totally agree with that. And like you said, we stopped using him towards the end of the season when I predicted we were going to save him for the first season. But yeah, if we can somehow develop him correctly, he can be a Curtis Samuel type player. And that's what I'm, I'm, I'm down for keeping him in house rather than, bringing Curtis Samuel in for like a boatload of money. Cause he's, he's earned a payday. Um, and I don't know if we can afford to, to pay him. So I'm going to have to fight you on that claim. Curtis Samuel will be a very cheap addition. I believe, especially to a needy receiver room. So, uh, secondly, I like the Duvernay comparison, but we hardly use Duvernay on end arounds, which is probably what, like you said, what we should use, but, Samuel's been used straight out of the backfield, just like when Antonio Gibson came out of the out of college, he started wide receiver, then he moved strictly to running back. You can kind of play off that. It's kind of like he's not as elusive, but I, I compare him to Kadarius Tony, to be honest. All right, so I think we should move on to the host most prized wide receiver prospect that he's flipping his opinion on. I'll let Justin take it over. Yeah, so I had a, a little pre-podcast meeting with these with, with these two, and I said that there's a player that I used to really, really not like the idea of signing because if he couldn't do well in KC, then how could he do well in Baltimore? However, I there I believe there is hope for wide receiver Sammy Watkins. Uh, he's a little injury prone um, these last few years. Um, Especially, he's he's got a lot of uh, he's got a few concussions. He's got hamstring strains, uh, groin strains, and a lot of a lot a lot of stuff wrong with his right foot. Um, but 
I think what's really important here is in 2015, Greg Roman was the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, so was um, in the Buffalo Bills wide receiver Sammy Watkins, who had his best year. Uh, it's about 60 catches, over 1,000 yards, a couple touchdowns. Not the greatest amount of touchdowns, but mind you, that's still 1,000 yards and 60 catches. That's That was the best we've seen Watkins in his entire career. And that was in a Greg Roman offense. That's in a Greg Roman offense. And we all know what the heck happens with wide receivers in Greg Roman offense. They don't put up numbers. So if Sammy Watkins could put up numbers with Greg Roman, there's already a wrapper between the two. I'm sure Greg Roman is probably advocating for Sammy Watkins. And um, I wouldn't, I'm sure Sammy Watkins would welcome going back to Greg Roman, considering that he had his best year under him. Um, he's also only 27, so he's not that old. He's still young. Uh, the, as I said, the only concern that he's got is that he has only played 10 games in 2020 um, and 13 games in 2019 with the Chiefs. Um, didn't have the greatest role, but if you can remember, uh, not this last Super Bowl, but the Super Bowl prior, um, he had a big catch on Richard Sherman um, that kept the uh, Chiefs in the game. Uh, so where I would have been against um, signing Sammy Watkins to a cheap deal what do you guys think? Well, I'm for it. After I looked, uh, also looked into it. Like, like you said, he had just his best years under Greg Roman, and <clears throat> you think you think the Greg Roman passing offense has evolved since then? No, probably not. It's probably the same stuff. He probably knows it well, and I'm sure Greg Roman wouldn't mind having him back either. Probably his best receiver he's had. And, um, well, for a while, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd welcome him. Yeah, I'd welcome him too. And probably the most common issue you see with him all over any of the social media outlets or anything. I'm sounding like a broken record here. Can he stay on the field? Just already addressed it. If he can stay healthy, that's a great addition to the offense. I mean, nothing more needs to be said. We take him. Uh, yeah, I feel like when whenever Watkins would be on the field, this this Ravens offense could go back to that unguardable because Watkins is a veteran receiver. He knows how to get open, and I feel like that's just the biggest thing the Ravens need right now. You don't need the best receiver. Uh, you don't need the tallest receiver. You just need a guy you can get open and a guy Lamar can trust. I think that's the biggest trait that we need to look for in a receiver is can Lamar trust him? Because we obviously saw with Boykin, it doesn't really look like Lamar trusts Boykin that much aside from the few deep balls that he threw to him uh, this last year. So I feel like that's that's a big um, that's a big concern. But another receiver um, that's been flowing on Ravens Twitter and Ravens Instagram recently is uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, only 24 years old. Um, Per spot track, his average per year estimate would be $16.1 million. With the uh, COVID cap, probably less than that. Uh, my guess is he takes a one-year deal somewhere to increase his value, or he stays with uh, the Steelers. But he would be an interesting option for the Ravens if they do decide to go in that direction. He would be a, an excellent replacement for Snead in the slot. Um, he doesn't drop very many balls, um, forces a lot of missed tackles, um, could be an excellent chain mover for Baltimore, but he is a former Steeler. 
So I'm curious what you guys think about that. I think that could actually almost play in our favor, him being a former Steeler. I feel like it kind of creates some more tension there, some more fire. But um, honestly, before this year, before we started doing the TikTok dances everywhere, I was a huge fan of Juju. He's a very productive receiver. He seemed like a really cool guy off the field. And I think our coaching staff, our locker room, maybe get him to mature a little bit, get a little more focused. And he's he could definitely run block, that's for sure. I think he'd be really good in the purple and black. Juju Schuster, the player, is a is a pretty perfect fit for our offense. Now, would I would I want the personality with it? No. That, but that being said, I don't think he'd sign for what we'd be willing to give, because I think he's gonna want to sign. Um, probably eight to. 14 million a year, yeah I'd, I'd to be honest that. so i don't i mean he is a he would be like a really good fit really really good probably the best out of all the guys maybe there on the in the market but just i think he's just a little bit out of our our budget to be yeah he's probably gonna be one of the more expensive receivers um i don't think it'll be too too expensive but Considering how the Ravens don't value that the wide receiver position that much, they might not be willing to go with Juju. Um, I feel like ever since Corey Davis and Marvin Jones got signed, um, I've kind of shifted my my personal fan uh, fan perspective to Juju Smith-Schuster. I would love to see him in the purple and black. Um, I do think, I do think with his attitude, I don't think he's the type of diva receiver that cries when he doesn't get the ball. He's like the complete opposite of Antonio Brown when it comes to that. He just likes to have fun. And you saw it with TikTok. I mean, and with the TikTok dances, I mean, yeah, he, he was having fun, but he was disrespecting the logos uh, a little bit. And we, as Ravens fans, know how bad that can be when you disrespect a logo, especially in the middle of the field. So we have particular resentment towards that. But Tomlin got him to stop and whatnot. And the his, his teammates love him. Um, and he shares a close bond with Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson. That's something you would really love to see for Juju to come in and, and form this kind of close bond with Marquise Brown and DuVernay and Boykin. But, um, you know, I, I just, I don't know, it's really hard. I really want to see Juju Smith-Schuster as a Raven, but I think it's more likely that we sign a guy like Watkins for a cheaper deal. Um. But uh, we've we've talked a lot about the receivers, um, and obviously we value the receiver position more than the Ravens do. Let's go into a position that the Ravens probably take more value into, and we saw it with Kevin Zeitler. Um, there's a lot more um, free agent offensive linemen, specifically centers, that we could use. Um, I'm curious to see what you guys think. You guys have a, a specific center on watch that you want to point out to the listeners? I mean. Both of my top two centers are gone. Corey Lindsley signs with LA. Then 49ers are active on the O line recently. Signed Trevor, like they signed him. Alex Mack. What? Like, no, they signed Trent Williams at like 4 30 a.m. this morning. They signed Alex Mack, yet, Alex Mack yesterday. So, I mean, my top two are off the board. I'd rather as target in the draft. And speaking of the draft, Creed Humphrey had a monster pro day last week. So, I'm just going to leave that there. Yeah, I think it would be ideal to 
uh, <laughs> go through the draft. Um, and even if if we need to, if we need to do we if it would, sorry if we do do it through the draft, I think even if we see bad things from whoever we draft in the center position his rookie year, maybe we can switch him out for Bozeman mid-year, even though we never, I don't know. I'm surprised we never did that this year when we had center issues. We never went to Bozeman. We always kept him at left guard. But if, if our rookie center has issues and we can plop him in at guard and he can mature over the, the rest of his rookie year, I wouldn't be a bad thing. Yeah, I, I want to go more to your point. Um, I like kind of what you said about um, Bozeman. Um, I kind of want to clarify this because I, too, was kind of confused. Um, the Ravens do a lot of zone blocking. They like to pull their offensive linemen um, to uh, different areas of um, the line of scrimmage. And Bozeman is a particularly very adept uh, pulling blocker the Ravens pull to the right side very often. And if you can pull Bozeman from the left guard over the block to the right, um, that opens up a lot of uh, options for the ball carrier, whether it be Lamar, Gus, or Dobbins. Um, so I feel like they value that agility that Bozeman has um, way more than they would value his ability at center. Although, yeah, it's, it's weird because almost all of your centers have had snapping issues, except TCC, um, Tristan Colin Castillo. But, Again, he's an undrafted free agent, and you don't really want to throw him into the fire. The Ravens like him, and they've tendered him, um, but I'm not sure he's ready to just start right away. Um, maybe eventually, but I think if you want to kind of groom him for your I think the way to go is to sign a veteran center. Um, there's a guy that I really love, and I want to save for last, so I'll start with um, Patriot center David Andrews. Um, he recently stated that he wanted to test the market. Um, there's, I feel like there's there's a clear mutual interest between the Patriots and Andrews, but I think he wants to gauge his value. And if the Ravens really want Andrews, they could sign him and pair him with the other Andrews on the team, Mark Andrews, and form that power power duo. What do you guys think of uh, David Andrews potentially joining the Ravens? I wouldn't be opposed. I really wouldn't be opposed to too many center changes this offseason it clearly needs to be addressed i like castillo but like you said don't throw him right into the fire andrews rodney hudson just released from the raiders there's a lot of options you can go in the draft i mean as long as we address it in some way shape or form maybe give castillo some competition even if it's just a fourth round prospect we need to figure something out with it. we can't just hand it over to castillo regardless well you said the the big two <clears throat> and yeah i would i wouldn't be against signing either one because pair pairing veterans rather than rookies with veterans um is is a good thing because the veterans are going to have the a a level of experience and they're gonna they're gonna even learn off each other so having a an all veteran offensive line would be pretty a pretty good thing yeah, and my favorite guy was uh, Rodney Hudson. Um, he was released by the Raiders at a very controversial move. I believe he carries 15 million dead caps, so I'm not even sure what the heck they were thinking with the the their, with the um, cap savings. 
but there there was talk that he was thinking of retiring, but I haven't seen anything concrete about that, so I'm just going to go ahead and assume that he's ready to play in 2021. I feel like the Ravens should be on the phone right now calling him. Um, but again, he could be a little too expensive for them, considering that there's a decent, decent number of teams, my bad, who need a center and aren't necessarily cap-restricted like the Ravens are. So... Rodney Hudson could go somewhere else. I think maybe a much more realistic player um, to not have a surefire starting role, but could compete with guys like Makari and TCC. Um, Ted Ted Karras from um, the Miami Dolphins could be a um, could be a good fit. Um, he wouldn't necessarily be an immediate starter, I don't think, but he could be a, a good competition. Um, but I feel like we've dabbled too much on the center position for, for way too long. We've we've kind of already talked about what we like and don't like and how we think the Ravens should approach it. Let's talk about how the Ravens should approach the edge position, um, considering that we have a lot of young talent uh, at the edge position. We've got Tyus Bowser who got re-signed, um, and then you've got the veteran, Pranel McPhee, uh, Jalen Ferguson still on the wings. Um the Ravens are going to have to add a veteran, I believe, one way or the other, and at least and draft at least one. I think the Ravens should draft two edge rushers um, in this year's draft. But do you guys have any um, big free agents that you think the Ravens should consider signing, uh, maybe to fill a a veteran edge presence, or maybe try and roll the dice on a young player that's coming out of free agency? Well, one guy that I do think would be a potential target would be. Hanson Reddick from uh, Arizona. I think he had a he had a monster a monster game last year. He had like five sacks with the Giants, and also an, a good a good year. And I think he would be a great fit for our system because I think he can has the ability to drop back. But also other guys could be potentially. I wouldn't be against bringing Kyle Van Noy, and also. Melvin Ingram would be expensive and he's more of a primary pass rusher. So I, I don't see our odds too high on uh, signing Melvin Ingram, but I like, I would like uh, Reddick and Calvin Noy. I wouldn't be against those at all. I'd be very yeah, happy with those. I like, I like all those too. I really like Reddick, um, but I'm not only going to look through free agency, personally in the draft, of course, we can't control where people fall, but I've seen a lot of mocks where people like Gregory Rousseau are falling to the Ravens and further. I mean, the freak athlete like Rousseau is on the board, I'm taking him. So, of course, we address we need to, we need to fix the position somehow. I think Reddick's a good option, but if we can't pick up anyone significant in free agency, we just have to make it work through the draft. Yeah, I kind of want to extend my thoughts on uh, the situation. There's a lot of good, decent, but falling off uh, veteran free agents. Um, I don't think... Melvin Ingram is going to be as expensive as you might think, Andrew. Um, I definitely think he is maybe worth a more expensive contract to a team. Um, Cause even though he's playing alongside um, Boza, um, he's still a, a very accomplished uh, veteran. So he definitely deserves a big contract um, or a, a bigger contract relative to maybe guys at his age. I don't think he's going to get signed that much. I, I feel like he could be another candidate for a one-year deal to kind of prove it uh, on the Ravens. I would love a Melvin Ingram edition. Um, I also want to kind of point out two other guys. Um, I like going through the draft, but 
there's one guy that I really wanted to sign last year, right before the season started, because he didn't believe in training camp. <laughs> That's um, Jadavion Clowney. He had a pretty, pretty awful uh, one-year prove-it deal with, tight, with Tennessee, and it's probably not likely he's going back to Tennessee. Uh, that has drastically just shot his stock down. I, I'm, I'm talking where he would have started talking about maybe the $15 million a year range. Um, it's now down to like $6.5 million a year. So if Clowney wants to salvage any kind of his career right now, I think it has to be on a one-year deal somewhere for a, a very low amount of money, uh, which would incentivize him to work hard and to prove that he is this dominant style player that he was in Houston. I feel like it's a risk that the Ravens should honestly take. And if we're going to uh, address the um, edge position in the draft, uh, anyways, um, if Clowney doesn't end up panning out, we've still got maybe a guy like Aziz Ojulari, um to replace uh, Clowney after a maybe another disappointing year. He's only 28. But there's a lot of praise by uh, film watchers who say that whenever he's on the field, he wrecks the game. He might not get a bunch of sacks, but he wrecks the game. I think that's something the Ravens need, but um, they're going to have to get Clowney back to his uh, good old self. There was interest, though, in Carlos Dunlap as well. Um, he was recent, He was traded from Cincinnati to Seattle, where Seattle actually had a pretty good bounce back year on defense, or a pretty bounce back um half season on defense when uh, Dunlap came in. He's 32. He was cut by the um, uh, Seahawks, so he wouldn't factor into the comp pick uh, formula. Uh, Would be an interesting pick. He's going back. He would go back into the AFC North to play against the Bengals, who he kind of had a falling out with. Uh, I'm interested to see what you guys think about those two. Uh, Carlos Dunlap would be, uh, I think, a a great player. And uh, also Clowney. Um, I, t- I totally forgot. This is the second time I totally forgot that Clowney even existed because of how non-factor he was last year until he had injury. But yeah, I think a perfect way to try and revive his career would be with a one a, a team on a run one-year prove-it deal for cheap. And hey, why not be us? <laughs> Yeah, I'm on the same page. I I forgot about Clowney, honestly, just like Andrew did. He's an incredible player. and You know, he wanted too much money last year. Didn't work out, but get him for cheap now. When we really need him, I, I take him. All right. Um, do you guys have any other uh, potential free agents or maybe potential trades the Ravens should make? Um, I've pretty much run down my list of free agents uh, that I have on here. I think we've almost hit them all. You guys have any uh, additional guys? I just think that our Orlando Brown move needs to happen sooner, rather sooner than later. That's all I'm going to say. I agree with that because we, we need to know what, what one we're getting either drafts stock or a player. And also one other guy that I want to message mess mention is Justin Houston he wouldn't be a he wouldn't be a bad a bad signing either so yeah I I agree I I, I love uh the idea of adding Houston um he had a couple pretty decent seasons with the Colts 
Um, I think we could get him on a nice cheap deal. But I, I might be the outlier in the group here because you two obviously believe that um, we should trade Orlando Brown very soon. I've kind of fluctuated my opinion on this. The reason why is um, Orlando Brown Jr. is in no position to have any leverage right now. Due to the new CBA, if he holds out, that's an extra year added onto his contract. If he doesn't want to play, then yeah, he can hold out, but it's not like it's going to matter because he's going to get fined a bunch and he's just going to have to go back again the next year. Um, not that I think Orlando would ever do that, but I think what the Ravens should do is just tell Orlando, hey, you, you, you want to you play left tackle summer? That's great. But you're a Raven right now, and we need you right now to play right tackle. And if Ronnie Stanley can't play week one, then, yeah, we've got a guy who can play left tackle. That's Orlando. But I think as of right now, if unless we get in a, an incredible uh, deal, which is why I think we have been um, – setting up uh, negotiations for Orlando is to see if there is a team that's really willing to uh, throw the farm at um, Orlando and see if we can get a a pretty nice deal for him. But if I had to just take a prediction at what's going on in DaCosta's mind right now, it's I'm not trading Orlando Brown unless I'm getting something wildly um, in return. And because losing, I've mentioned in the Orlando Brown episode when we thought that it would just be a surefire thing that he gets traded like immediately, that, um, you know, with Orlando, we're worse off when he's not here. No matter what we get, no matter what compensation we get, we're losing a we're losing a um a, a key fixture on this offensive line, and he's really good. So. That's kind of my two cents. Before we wrap up this episode, I do want to say that there is a, a, another um, update that we have at about 1.30. Um, AJ Green has signed a one-year deal with the Cardinals um, up to $8.5 million. So you can scratch that off um, for the Ravens. doesn't look like uh, AJ Green is going to be suiting up in purple and black anytime soon. So... All you AJ Green truthers, uh, I'm sorry for your loss. But thank you guys so much for uh, listening. Um, It was a longer podcast than usual. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. And there's probably still going to be more stuff to talk about. There's probably, you know, I bet you just just my luck, immediately after I publish this on Spotify, I'm going to get a whole bunch of tweets saying, Raven signed this player, Raven trade for this player. That's just my luck. So I'm sorry if there's news uh, that has happened that we haven't covered. Um, You can uh, look for us to discuss what happens this crazy free agency week next Wednesday. Um, Thank you guys so much for watching. As always, you can find our podcast anywhere um, on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Um, Anywhere you listen to your podcast, you can probably find. um, Please follow at Inside the Pod. Uh, inside the bank pod on instagram uh for future updates and um with that being said thank you guys so much peace out